we would learn these songs at church about church. It's kind of a weird circular thing I just said there, but follow with me. So there was a song that we learned, and it went something like this. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open it up and see all the people. Now I'm noticing some nods. You may have, may have heard this golden oldie. You made the top 100 in the billboard charts, I think, back in the day. I actually think the song was probably, probably created by some well-meaning Sunday school teachers who really wanted to keep the boys' hands in a positive uh, direction here and not messing with their neighbor. But, uh, but just, just for giggles, let's, let's try that again. Can we do that together? This is why you came today, okay? Here we go. Put your knuckles together like that. Here we go. All right, here we go. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open it up and see all the people. You got to wiggle the fingers for the full effect. Really wiggling the fingers. Super helpful. I thought about that little song. It's cute and all, but it kind of messed up my thinking for a good long time about what actually church is. Because that song kind of makes it seem like, and maybe you can relate, that church is related to construction and a building and architecture. And, and so growing up, I kind of had this idea that when people say church, you're meaning a building with a kind of a weird staple or steeple thingy and, and pews, which are weird seats and maybe dated carpet and a cross mounted somewhere. That was kind of in my thinking for a long time. Anybody else relate to that? I mean, think of church, you think of a, you drive around a town much like this and you're going to see church buildings. And is, is that really what, what church is? And it took me years in Bible college and all those good things to realize, no, that actually isn't church. That's, that's not it. It's not tied to a building or architecture or some kind of real estate. It actually is so much more. But maybe us and maybe the church and even modern culture seems to have a lot of misunderstanding about what church is. And more than just not a, not a building, but, but I'm seeing like in, in our culture, there's a lot of questions going on about church and faith and religion. And there's this term I keep hearing over and over again, and maybe you've heard it. The term is deconstruction. I keep hearing this over and over, and, it, and it's coming in a whole different, different parts of life, deconstruction in government and institution, deconstruction in faith and biblical studies and church, and I'm hearing this over and over, and we don't have the time this morning to unpack all that that is. I've just been educating myself on this, but many younger generations, that seems to be the group that's doing the most of this term deconstruction, and they're questioning everything, and questioning, yes, even the church. Is, 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 is the church still relevant? And I think that's something we need to get a, a grasp on as, as Christ followers, just exactly what is the church, what is the strength of the church? What is it anyway? Because sometimes we'll say, and I'll, I'll hear people say this, well, let's go to church. And I know what you mean, but that's a weird statement, because we're the church. Right? People say that. Or, or we're going to go have church. It's also a strange thing. Like you're, you're having a meal or something? It doesn't make sense. And I, I get it. You know, we're, we throw these terms around. But I think, I think there's so much more to, to church. And that's why we're doing this series, Why Church? We're, we're, we're kind of leaning into those questions. Last weekend, if you were around, and if you weren't, that's okay. We'll catch you up. 
But last weekend we had some guests, Scott and Natasha Carpenter. And they were here, great couple, got to know them a little bit. And Scott kicked off this series, and he was talking about the idea of spiritual growth. And there's, there's a sense that it's, it's really in the church family, in the body meeting together, that we tend to grow spiritually. And so that was a, a really important reason for the essence of the church. But my hope is that we'll recapture the value and, and the importance of being part of a local church family. It's in the meeting together that something powerful happens. And, and, and we're an, a, a, trying to answer this big question. Can Christians and followers of Jesus still find life and purpose in the church? And I think the answer that I'm trying to go for will be a resounding yes. Look, I just want to make this statement. When people who say yes to Jesus start putting his words and teachings into action, it changes things. It changes who you are as a Christ follower, and it changes the people around you. And there, I get it, there's some mystery to it. But when people put Jesus' teachings into practice, the world is changed. Case in point. And when I first heard this, I didn't believe it. I had to do a little bit more research. And I'm still wrestling with the, the weight of what I'm about to tell you. Historians and scholars think that Christianity, those who followed Jesus, it was, Christianity is probably the wrong term to use for that particular moment, but it was followers of Jesus, followers of the way. The historians think that within the first few hundred years of the early church, upwards of 80% of the Roman Empire would claim to follow Jesus. In just a few hundred years, this group of followers of Jesus, who many of them, beginning days, were, were, were Jewish people, and, and they accepted the Messiah, and so it kind of fulfilled everything for them, and they took this good news all over the Roman Empire. So much so that within a couple of hundred years, 80% of Roman citizens would claim to follow Jesus. Isn't that crazy? Can I just say that? And they did it. Listen, they did it without printed Bibles, buildings with pews, social media. They did it without any of that, without buildings and mass media and printed Bibles. They did it without vision statements and really cool logos on your church website. They did it without all that. Within just a few hundred years, putting the teachings of Jesus into practice changed literally an empire. That is amazing to me. Just people putting out the love of Jesus and letting that transform them is world changing. And I want to bring it back because what if a people like us could, could do that in a way that we put the teachings of Jesus out there. We revalue what, what it means to be the church and to, to be the hands and feet in our community. That would be world changing all over again. And it's a time in our country where that, it might be time for us to, to show up a little bit more, to show the love of Jesus and without, without fear, without being timid. All right, I've given you my, my thesis statement today. I'm Pastor Ben, I'm glad you're here. If this is your first Sunday with us, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, we're, we're gathered like Christians all over the globe. 
on the first day of the week, because that was the day Jesus rose from the dead. We gather like followers all across the globe, and we lift up the name of Jesus. And it's, it's a time for a reset. It's a time to rally. It's a time to encourage each other. We're going to take communion in a little while because that's representing what Jesus did for us to pay for all sin, past, present, and future, to give us victory and hope. That's why we gather. So we're glad you're here today. Uh, whether you're online with us, welcome, or you're in person, we're lifting up the name of Jesus together. Last week we talked about the church is valuable. We're answering the why church, right? Church is valuable because of spiritual growth, and that happens through scriptural teaching and prayer and serving one another. Today, we're going to carry that ball a little farther down the field, and we're going to talk about something about the relationships that happen in church are unlike any other, and that being a part of a church creates space for those healthy relationships to thrive. So that's what we're aiming for today. Let's pause for a moment, take a deep breath, let it out. Let's lean in and pray together. Father, we come before you. We thank you because you are amazing and mighty. And Father, we know you can do so much more than we could ever ask or imagine. I pray that you'd speak by the power of your Holy Spirit to every heart here and that we would rekindle uh, just our our hope in the, the, the very community you created in your son Jesus, the church. And it would be a world changing uh, moment for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have a Bible or a device, I encourage you to find Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And if you have a tablet or device, we'll give you time to find that. We'll put it up on screen too, but I think it's always good to have your copy. In fact, when I was rehearsing the message earlier in the week, some people were commenting on my old Bible that's falling apart, stuff's falling out of it, and, and uh, having your own scriptures is very, very helpful. But in Matthew chapter 16, what's happening here? This is kind of the groundwork for really this whole series, but it's important to talk about. In Matthew 16, the disciples and Jesus had been doing some ministry for a little while at least. We don't know exactly how long at this point, but long enough that Jesus is wondering what his uh, reputation is out there. So he asks his disciples, hey, who do people say that I am? What, kind of what's the vibe out there? What's, uh, what's going viral out there? What, what, what's the buzz out there about me? So we ask him, what are people saying about me? And some of the disciples kind of kick in and give their, what they've heard. Well, some people say this and some people say that. And, and then one of his disciples says it this way. Simon Peter replied, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Folks, this is the founding moment, if you will, those founding statements of what would be a group of people built on The foundation right here that in a couple hundred years changed an empire. Those words right there. And these words, there's so much we can unpack right here. I can't even tell you. But there's something interesting that Jesus does with Peter. Uh, for, for, For most of his life, he was probably known as, and he says it right here, Simon Bar Jonah. And all that means is Simon, son of Jonah. And so we have first names, last names, and all that sort of thing. But oftentimes, in that culture, you were known by who your father was. So you're, I would be Ben, son of, you know, you get that. 
But Jesus takes his name and, and does a bit of altering to it. He, he calls him Peter, which in the Greek is Petros. Does that sound familiar, like a, another word that might sound similar to that? So he says, uh, I'm going to call you Petros. And he does this word play where he says, you are Petros. And on this Petra, I will build my church. And the word for church is ecclesia, those who were called out. Now that term was used in other circles in Greek culture, uh, sometimes about political groups or other groups that kind of met for a purpose, maybe outside the city or a, a separate area, so they're talking about their things. But he says, he co-ops that term, ecclesia, and he connects it to the rock, Petra, and he says, Peter, Petros, what you just said is the rock, Petra, that I'm going to build my ecclesia, this new, this new uh, community, this new family, this new kingdom, basically Jesus is bringing in here. And he uses that term, ecclesia. This new group, this family, this kingdom is going to be built on Jesus, the son of the living God. And evil cannot take it down. That's what we're told in the beginnings of what we would know as the early church. So two things, real quick. So then the, the, the church, the ecclesia, is this new kingdom that Jesus initiated. Jesus initiated. That's important to know. It's Jesus who started. He's the foundation. And number two, nothing can prevail against it. No evil thing can prevail against it. Death, evil does not win. So those are two like beginning principles that help us shape this idea of why church. These are valuable statements. It can't be taken down by evil and it's something Jesus created. So I would hope that we would begin to value the church as one Jesus created. Uh, why church? Well, it's Jesus created, Jesus initiated, Jesus blessed, and it's God's program to change the world. There could have been lots of different techniques God could have used. But he looked at you and he looked at me and said, it's a good plan. Based on the son of the living God, you're going to take this news wherever you go, church. You're the called out one. So if you're here in Jerusalem, great. If you're off in Galatia, great. If, you're, if you make it to Rome, great. Take the Son of the living God, with you and explain what Jesus has done. Now, we get to the book of Acts. How many have read the book of Acts in the New Testament part of the Bible? Maybe bits and pieces, maybe. What Acts is now is, is sort of the, that, that new group, that new kingdom beginning to, to grow, beginning to spread all the way through the ancient world. And so we get to see sort of a playbook of what happens here and what happens there. And it's, it's a pretty action-oriented book in many ways. But the book of Acts kind of shows us a glimpse of the early church and the sorts of things they were, they were doing. You see, early on, in fact, some of you might have been around for when we did the James series not too long ago. When we went through the book of James, here's what you may not have caught. James chapter 1 speaks of synagogue. Now, we know synagogue from the Jewish culture. That was their Saturday thing. That was like their Saturday church. That was, that was their thing. James 1 mentions synagogue. When we get to the end of James in chapter 5, this other word shows up called ecclesia. 
And there's been this transition that's been happening. He said, now, now, listen, the early church probably were mainly Jewish, okay? So they probably went to synagogue on Saturday, and then on Sunday, they were in ecclesia. Same with the same people. And that's probably their practice. Now, as the, as the church began to spread to more non-Jewish areas, that may have been less the case. Uh, but this group was a very multi-ethnic, diverse group. This ecclesia that began to form and, and move uh, was, was bringing in people from all backgrounds, tribes, nations, everything. Now, it did cause some, some conflict, and we see some of that conflict in the letters of the New Testament. How do they work that out? How do, how do we work out Jewish and non-Jewish relationships? Because before, that was a no-go. And now this, this, this beautiful multi-ethnic movement is happening all over the ancient world. God living through his people, and they're just living out the teachings of Jesus. And how game-changer that was. Now, we get a little bit of a snapshot, if you still have your Bibles handy. In Acts chapter 2, toward the end of the chapter, we get a little snapshot into how they were beginning to, 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 to operate, their, their early stages. And so Acts 2.42, I'm going to read a few other verses on that, but Acts 2.42, it says this, And they, the early church, the early followers of Jesus, devoted themselves to a few things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and, their, and belongings and distributing, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Right? So synagogue and ecclesia, you see that going on there. And day by day, again, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. There's a lot going on there. But this is, this is some of the glimpse of what was happening. Again, they're, they're in, in a sense blending, because again, many of these were still Jewish people. They were in temple, but then also ecclesia. And a lot of times that was in homes. And, and they would break bread together often. So we see this pattern of meeting regularly, sharing meals. I really think that's a big part of following Jesus, by the way, is sharing a great meal. You can push on, back on me on that one. I think it's a big deal. Look at how often Jesus is eating with his disciples. Anyway, I digress. They, they met regularly. They shared meals. They pondered the teachings of Jesus together. There was a together, let's wrestle these stories out. In fact, probably some of that work helped in the formation of what would have been written down in the Gospels because they all knew the stories. They knew the Torah. They knew the Old Testament stuff. But now we have these new stories now that we're going to add to the mix. we got stories of Jesus. This was probably helpful for those early scribes writing in the Christian church, Luke, and some of these writers that were trying to capture these stories that were in oral form, and now they could put them in so that people like us could read them later. Ingenious. So they met together. They talked about the teachings of Jesus. They met physical needs. That was important. Uh, the, the community prayer, prayerfully supported one another, and they met whenever they could. And likely, when they talked about a shared meal, they probably took communion every chance, every chance they got. Now, we as a church body, our church 
here at Dallas Church, we, we do, do communion every, every Sunday. Uh, and that's a, a regular pattern. It's just something that we see uh, them doing in the New Testament. And uh, I know there's some traditions that don't do it every Sunday. And, and, uh, but we like to remember because we forget so easily. And we're going to do that in a little bit because it's really important for us. But the early church probably added this on to almost every meal. In fact, there's a good chance that they were doing multiple communions in a week. Now, we, we have it here with a little bit of bread and a little bit of juice, and that reminds us of his body broken and his blood shed for us. But they would often add that probably on multiple times a week. They'd get together and like, let's do this again. Remember what Jesus did for us. And it was powerful for that community. That's why we try to be regular with that all the time. So they met regularly, they shared meals, they pondered the teachings of Jesus together, the community met physical needs, they prayed. In fact, the word there, they kept the prayers. There's likely they, they still kept with the typical Jewish times of prayer, which if some of you are good Bible students or even just moderate Bible students, you might notice that there's some hours in that. Generally it was nine, noon, and three. And so they would often pray at these times. In fact, you'll see that later in the book of Acts, Peter is praying at one of those times. And God actually steps in and does amazing work in helping Peter realize that non-Jewish people are still good with God. And you can talk to them about Jesus. So during those fixed hours of prayer, that's what was happening. So the church created, even from the beginning, space for together relationships, meals together. It's, it's almost like the early church understood and God who designed it understood that we need space for this unique relationship between brothers and sisters of all walks, tribes, and nations getting together on the good news of Jesus, the Son of the living God. And, and you know what? Modern science confirms this relational need. But I think the church goes one step further with the Holy Spirit. But I was looking at kind of the the big resources on mental health and psychology today is one of those resources. And there was an article that I read that said that strong friendships are a critical aspect of most people's emotional well-being. Research indicates that close friendships are associated with greater happiness and self-esteem, a sense of purpose. And so those with, with close bonds uh, even experience things like lower blood pressure and longer lifespans. That's psychology today. And the Mayo Clinic kind of confirms that. And I read an article and it just made this bold statement that good friends are good for your health. You need them. Uh, and it goes on to say that if you have strong social connections as an adult, like you have reduced risk of many issues like addiction, depression, uh, mental health, even body mass index of all things. You know, that BMI thing that I never really understand, something about the weight ratio, I don't really understand it. But it's something about physical health and that you have reduced risk when you have close friendships. We know this to be true because we see it in Scripture. The early church had these relational connections that were strong. So here's my question. How do you view church? I mean, how do you view it? If you were to take a temperature, if you will, on, on how important you think it is or how less, where are you at on the gathered church? Do you value the church, the relationships, the meeting together? Where are you at on that? The, the church belongs to Jesus. It's not my church, not your church. I get it when people say that, but the idea is it's Jesus' church. He built it. Evil can't prevail against it. And it's this, this space where God is creating a, a, an environment for healthy 
spiritual relationships that are connected by the Holy Spirit. And I don't think there's any other meetings like that on the globe where the Holy Spirit is present and God does amazing things. Look, the church is like the only organization out there that exists for the, for the purpose of the people who aren't part of it yet. If you think about it, we're trying to spread the good news of Jesus everywhere we go. And, and, and so it exists for those who aren't in the seats with you right now. It's an outward-focused community and a beautiful place for deeper relationships, nurturing community. So the church, and this is a big point that I want to just say today, the church connects us to one another. It connects us to one another. And we need it. We need it from science, and we need it from a spiritual perspective. We need each other. Look, we talk about the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I'm not sure that I could figure out how to, to learn how to be patient if I didn't have some of y'all in the church. You see what I mean? We, like Some of those things require people for you to grow in those. That you can't develop that kind of fruit with nobody to develop it with. And so these things are, are, are natural part of being part of a fellowship. And the Holy Spirit is present. And I can't emphasize that enough. When we say yes to Jesus, God makes his temple in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So there are moments you might be praying with another follower of Jesus, and you'll notice you're in sync with them. I was praying with a bunch of other ministers not too long ago, and we were in a circle, we're praying, and I had something that I was going to pray for. We were kind of praying out loud. We we're kind of going around the circle. And I'm telling you, more than once, I had something that I was going to pray for, and this person prayed, prayed it. Now, okay, skeptics, that could be just coincidence. But I found it pretty awesome that we were actually praying in sync, and none of us rehearsed beforehand. God can do amazing things like that because the church connects us to one another. Look, it's a testimony to the world. It can be an empire changer. It's where we work out to love one another. Galatians 6.2 says we bear one another's burdens. And, and that means sometimes we're a shoulder to cry on or just a hug or a connection or a smile or a, a, an I see you. Sometimes that can be a game changer in someone's life. And we bear one another's burdens. It's not always fun. Okay? We're not always going to agree on everything, and that's okay, because we're a family, and the Holy Spirit is doing his work. And, and actually, the church is where you can find mentors in your, in your faith. In fact, the first several years of planting this church, I had a mentor who was a Calvary Chapel, retired Calvary Chapel preacher. You know, verse by verse, that's what they love. And he helped me through a lot of stages, and he'd already gone through it before. He's up in Washington, and uh, he helped me navigate. I could ask him weird leadership questions or, oh, this person asked me to pray for this. Isn't that weird? Whatever. He would help me navigate that. I found that in the church family. And that's not even just this church family. It's people that we know, people that we know connected, and we were in sync. That, that's a Holy Spirit thing. That's not a human thing at all. We can find mentors. We can find people to help sharpen us in our faith. You know, sometimes we get a little lazy and, and complacent, and some people can help us push. They can push us toward growth, and that's a good thing. Sometimes people run away with, well, I don't want to deal with that difficulty, but sometimes that's the, where the good stuff is. The church can be part of that. Church can be a place for you to find friends, experience forgiveness, both people forgiving you and you forgiving them. That's a really important thing for a Christ follower, super, super important. I, want to, I just want to 
ask you, compel you, challenge you to allow the church to make space in your life for relationship. I know we have so many things going on all the time, but it is, it is different. I've been part of clubs, and I've been part of sporting events. I mean, there's bars and church, you know, functions. There's sporting events, things like this out there. I mean, I, I coached for a while, and, and there's families that you meet on the field, but those really didn't provide the surf. They just were more of a surface relationship. It never really got deeper than that. And so I think the church offers something so much more powerful than just relationships that stay on the surface. You know, none of those people are going to be people that visit me in the hospital. You know? now, there could be exceptions to the rule, but for the most part, the church provides that depth of relationship. Something unique on the planet. Look, Jesus said it this way. It's interesting that he used this too, by the way. He used a phrase that normally is something that would be used in a legal sense. He said in Matthew 18, verse 20, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am present. In sort of a powerful sort of way. Now, I get it. God is everywhere, yes. Jesus is everywhere. You're going to push back on me theologically. I get that. He is everywhere, yes. But there's something powerful about the meeting of the two or three. And I don't think we need to press on it and say, well, well, the Two exactly, or there three, or there three. No, don't do that. Where two or three are gathered, there is something powerful that happens. The presence of Jesus. And, and, and the thing is, that term, two or three, is, was generally used in Jewish culture as confirming, uh, like in a, in a character witness case. So it would say in the, the Old Testament, hey, don't accuse someone without having witnesses of two or three. So in that sense, when two or three are gathered in Jesus' name, what we're doing is we're a confirmation of the truth and a witness to the world. And it's powerful. There's nothing like the gathering of Christ followers. Nothing else like it on the planet. And Jesus is present. Have you ever had the moment where you've talked to somebody new? I've had this happen a couple times in my life where it could be at work, it could be on the ball field or something like that. It could be in a store. It's happened to me in a store before, which is weird. But... You start having a conversation with somebody, and just the tone, the language they use or not use, uh, kind of their demeanor, you start to wonder, or, or maybe you're suspect that they might, be, they might be a follower of Jesus. Has anybody ever had that experience? Whoa. I don't know what that is. There's mystery to it, but wow. You, can kinda, you start to get in sync. Now, that's not a human thing, I don't think. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you together. You can realize... Oh, there's some, you've had that experience? I, okay, anticipate, ask for that. You know, sometime God revealed that. It's pretty cool when that happens. There's nothing like two or three are gathered in his name. So, so what? Here we go. Here's your marching order. So this today, uh, even if you're new or you've been around for a while, make some coffee appointments. Make some lunch appointments today. Hang out with the church family. Maybe today, uh, you've got to have lunch, right? So, Pick a restaurant in town, and you're just going to have lunch with another couple or some other people. Support local. We love to do that. But have a meal together. Meals are powerful. Grab a lunch. Plan a dinner. Invite people to it just to hang out for a while. Get to know. Make space in your schedule. And let me just say this. And I'm not going to beat this hard here, but Sunday gatherings are important. You know, I can't always explain it. But there's, when you're not at a gathering, it makes a difference. And I feel it even as the preacher guy. Uh, last week, it was great just to be back in the church family. I didn't even have any role to play. But it was great being amongst the people because I could eyeball to eyeball, and the Holy Spirit does some powerful work. So 
Prioritize the Sunday gatherings. I realize I'm not saying you have to be in church every Sunday or you're not going to make it to heaven. That's a weird thing to say anyway. There's a lot I can unpack with that. But make it a regular part of your week because it's important. It really is. And it's a testimony to the world. It's a testimony. When, they, when people drive by and they see your car here, you know, if they recognize it, you know, that, that's something. There's, a, there's some accountability, but it's also a witness to all of us. So make some space in your life. What if we could do that? What if we could reaffirm the value of the church, the gathered church together? It's time. It's time that we don't hold back, that we allow the teachings of Jesus to actually make an impact here and beyond our walls. It's God's divine strategy to change the world. And we already saw in ancient Rome how powerful that was. The church isn't a building, it's the people. And God is calling us to be connected to one another for the sake of the gospel and the saving of the world. It's a great mission to be part of. In fact, we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. So let's pause now for a word of prayer and ask God to move us. Father, we thank you for your love, your faithfulness, your mercies. Father, you called us to be this, 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 this called out people, uh, that we would be uh, people who would be living out the teachings of your son Jesus in our world, and it would impact our world and culture powerfully. Lord, we, we realize that, the, that your Holy Spirit is here amongst us, and there's something special when you gather your people together. You do a mighty work. Father, help us to be engaged in the world around us and to take your teachings and love everywhere we go because we are the church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.